0: Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast.
1: Best day
0: ever. We are coaches, trainers, retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, but didn't start our careers doing this. Jason worked in public accounting and I worked in corporate retail until starting our dream business in which we help people from all different industries pursue their best day ever every single day.
1: The goal of this podcast is to interview both each other and other professionals making an impact on the world on how wellness is the fuel to
0: do whatever it is in life you want to do better. This podcast is about teaching people to actively pursue their purpose and how to use self-care to do it. We're here to show you how the best day ever mindset is available to anyone at any time, no matter your circumstance. It's your choice and we're here to encourage you. Have the best day ever. Brett and Jason here, Live Better Podcast, with one of our favorite leading ladies, if yes, not sir. the favorite, Kate LaMare. Thank you so much, Kate. Finally, we're here.
1: Our, our leader, Queen B. Yeah, Mama
0: she girl. is. Yeah, you, you brought us leader. into this world. <laughs> <She's a leader. laughs>
2: I actually was just thinking about this. We have been in each other's lives for almost four, four years, years yeah. and that's so crazy. Yeah. We went um from not knowing anything about one another to opening a studio for a global fitness brand together and now we're we're the three from the founding team that yeah. it remains So we it's are, really yeah, I feel like crazy. our friendship is really really special. We've been through a lot directly and indirectly together um, and have been through, like major life milestones yeah. uh weddings kids moves. i know yeah like yeah. we've all experienced Multiple, a lot of change together each of us. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: we um i mean we'll get into a lot of that but can you give just like a brief who you are
2: yeah, my name is Kate Lemire. Um, like Brett and Jason, I'm one of the founding trainers of Barry Chicago. In addition to um, training at both of our Chicago-based studios, soon to be three, um, I'm a member of the corporate marketing team and I contribute to a lot of the um, brand strategy and then the um, marketing best practice for the team as we um, continue to expand globally. Right now we're at 68 studios and by the end of the year we are um, forecasted to have 100 across the world. That's so insane. it really is. It really is incredible um, to see both sides of the business in the red room um, and in the corporate office. Um, but in addition to that, um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Kate Lemire um, where I have um, an, uh, link to my blog, The 4%, which is an evidence-based practice on strength training, perinatal fitness and nutrition. So my Instagram is more of like a personal account of my life, but then my website is more um, objective and factual for um, just an online destination for information.
1: You have a lot going on, like we both do, but can you walk us through, because you weren't in fitness full-time before, right? You had a corporate job outside of the corporate job you now have in fitness combined with teaching. So where did you start, and then how did you move into... Berries, how did you move into starting 4% and like your fitness journey?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really transparent and open about that. I'm not in fitness full-time. I have never been in fitness full-time and being in um, the fitness industry as a trainer um, professionally full-time is not something that I am interested in. I love the dichotomy between marketing, branding, strategy, and then training as well. Um, so I've been um, in the marketing and advertising um, profession for just about 10 years years. Um, And I know I don't look old enough to have had a job for that long, but I have. Um, She started when she was 10. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, So that's my background. Um, And I've always been in um, advertising. But when I first started in two thousand nine, I was totally broke. And I remember taking spinning at Purdue at the co-rec and one of my trainers who I loved, he was like, you should really think about doing this. And my whole thing was, I absolutely know I can't talk into a microphone and ride the bike at the same time. And then um, when I yeah, when I really had no money, I was like, well, maybe I can't do this. So <laughs> I was like, I need money yeah. for shoes and the bar, and, like to go out with my friends. So um, the gym that I belonged to was holding auditions, and then I started um, teaching six a.m. classes at David Barton, which is no longer here in Chicago. Um, but that's yeah. how, that's how I started, and I loved it so much; it just became like a bigger and better thing. Um, and when I met Joey and you guys, I was actually on um, retainer for Gatorade and Propel. And we were leading these like pop-up experiences and this like strategy and experiential events for trainers and fitness enthusiasts. And the, you know, that nagging sensation of, I'm fine to do what I've always been doing and what I'm doing now. And I loved my job and my agency, but I was like, this isn't it. And I want more and when I started to open myself up to like getting all my ducks in a row to potentially, you know, explore other options or, um, do my website full time, which I've had for um, just about six years now, just over six years. Um, that's when Joey reached out to me and we really, um, conceived this dual role. There was one other marketer um, when I joined and now there's 35 global marketers um, around the world. Um, so it's like really crazy to see that all we've done in the last you know, four years, um, which is really cool.
0: So with your two roles, um, like you said, you train, so people see you as a trainer and then you flip the switch and go into the office and market, What's talk us through each role for you and and how and why you enjoy each one and what you do
2: it's really it's really interesting because obviously you know as a business you have like goals and objectives and um you know attendance frequency conversion like all of these terms are you know what we do behind our screens and then when you are the epicenter as a trainer of the community you really see how it comes to life and how it translates and um Community and family, you know, is a is one of the values of berries, if not the value for berries. Um, and so, nothing is transactional to begin with. But when you have that like clear, you know, line to the people that make up the energy, um, it it becomes personal, you know, for better or for worse. Um, And there are so many times where, um, there are a lot of local marketers who are also trainers. A lot of times we'll be, you know, spitballing or brainstorming these campaigns that, you know, make up the narrative of the year. And a lot of times we'll be like, I don't know if that feels right. We'll just be coming off of this or we're asking our clients to do that. Like, does this, you know, will they be recovered for another challenge? Well, how will we expand this offering to make sure that everyone feels supported? Um, When we're coming up with the retail, you know, can they use this in and out of the red room? So it really is the added value. um, And it's always nice to have the perspective um, of the client experience. Um, A lot of times I I get a lot of that feedback um, and I always take it to to
0: heart. So it's really nice to have those relationships. I think it's super interesting because Jason and I both come from corporate backgrounds, and one of the reasons why we left that world to get into whatever world we're in now, uh, was because of, we only saw from the top down, mm-hmm. and you know, Jason was in accounting, I was in data analytics, and we put together these like projects or these plans, and then they'd be executed by somebody else. Yeah. And one of the things that I look up to from the Barry's perspective is like even the CEO, Joey himself teaches class. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you see people that have these dual roles where they're in the weeds training, interacting with clients and then making the decisions about the business. And I think that's just something obviously, uh, you know, as we've been at Barry's, we've seen it just skyrocket to yeah. now like you said, there's gonna be over a hundred studios. Um, I think there is so much value in that. So when you are in the marketing side of the meeting, um, like you said, you definitely like lean on being in the Red Room as mm-hmm. well. What are some times where you like have to make a decision or sometimes where you have to make a decision that's much more of like a business focus and how do you like think through those those topics of, of conversation, whether it's a campaign or a retail thing and how do you like thread the line between both?
2: Well, I first of all, I'm never acting like by myself, and we have um, a really experienced team who um, have been in leadership positions for um, tremendous companies. So there's a lot of experience, there's a lot of heritage, and there's a lot of knowledge. So we all um, really play off of each other. But I think um, one of one of the things that we've had to pivot um, from making these like business decisions and driving our business forward, while also being responsible, is any challenge that Barry's does, and you know this, um, there's a charitable component because um, it's a privilege to work out in that red room. Um, and I think we all know that and our clients know that as well. So having the ability to you know, put ourselves first and take care of ourselves and invest in our health and wellness while also giving back um, is really important so that is that's a priority for us Um, and that's you know a real feel good thing that we do um, that not only benefits us as a business and a community and our brand um, expansion and integrity but also um, the communities in which we live and we do that on a um, national global level but then also regional as well so there's always that lever that we're pulling of philanthropy or giving back um in some form um and that's something we really just started to do we've always had um a philanthropic um part of our business on the local level um but now on a global and national scale it's it's a
1: priority which is so important it's -hmm. always been like my biggest you know you get love hate from like big brand um Boutique fitness classes Because we're making Like people who can afford To pay $30 a class Even healthier And it has to be A conversation of like How can we make Health and wellness Also accessible To communities that Can't afford that Mm -hmm. Or like aren't given Those opportunities Or get shut out Or don't feel like They belong So I think that's One of the things That I've respected So much about Barry's From the start Is the inclusivity Of the messaging And even if it comes off to some people as like intense or intimidating, like when you actually get there and you actually meet the trainers and the people that are coming into the class and you see that messaging and you see these types of challenges and the results from that, like that I feel like that is such a huge thing that draws people in. It's like people might come, want to come for a certain reason, but like that's why they stay.
0: Absolutely. Is that
1: community value? Is that family value? Is understanding that there is a lot going on behind the scenes that it's Mm -hmm. not just like what you see in the mirror It's, okay, now what does that give you back? And that's been one of our big presses for our business. One of our big presses to other trainers and other businesses is like, okay, great, you're making these amazing results, but but then what? What is the step after you look good? And just to segue, I think that's also something that I really respect about you because it goes beyond, like, you have a very clear goal to look a way that you want to look, but for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, this this makes me feel good. This makes me feel strong. Um, Can you talk some, you know, as we segue away from like the group fitness into like what you personally believe in and how you present yourself as a trainer and a a health figure. um, Can you talk about being like a badass, strong female in this community? Because like you get that platform, which like you worked for. You're working on, on yourself for those reasons. So like, Can you kind of talk through some of that?
2: Um, Absolutely, I started strength training almost 10 years ago and fell in love with the method and protocol as a process. So um, I think it's, it's Pretty irrefutable when you're looking to build muscle, lose fat, shed um, you know body weight, and then um, change the composition of your body. Strength training, um, as just an evidence-based practice, is the most efficient way to do that. Of course, there are thousands of ways to work out and change your body, but if you're just looking at the method, um, so I that's what I fell in love with. Um, so that's naturally conducive to um, you know visible muscles and tonality, um, and I've been doing it for a really long time. Um, and just recently, I started to get away from the aesthetic itself and the actual life cycle of a diet and how to grow muscle and how the two work together and really um, the focus that you should be giving one over the other at different you know points in your life. I um, admittedly was very attached to aesthetics before I got pregnant and thought um, when I was pregnant that, especially working at Berries, which is a company of beautiful people, um, you know, we can't deny that, um, beautiful people that, you know, being a pregnant chick waddling around, like who wants to work out with that? Like that was honestly what I was worried about. And um, I've said this many times uh, across very various channels that it made my relationship so much stronger with our clients because not only was um you know it was a new level of vulnerability but it relied and forced me to hone finesse and sharpen my knowledge my articulation you know especially on a Thursday when it's an abdominal based program and I have this huge belly like I'm not doing a demo so all I have are my words and it really um encouraged me to just get smarter and because of a changing body and a changing experience I really let go and kind of surrendered of my need for this like perfect aesthetic Um, And when I look back on it, like, I never even had it. Like, I never looked in the mirror and was like, oh, God, I'm a total 10. Like, I never, (laughs) never thought that. And I don't think that now even. Um, But I let it go. And then after I had Luke and, um, you know, I'm using air quotes, you know, got my body back or bounced back, um, I dieted for a really long time, about 18 months. And it was like I was fatigued on every level and just kind of like sick of it. So I was like, well, what do I do now? What are my goals? What do I want to focus on? I just straight up took a break and then was like, you know, I kind of want to experiment here. I want to see what it would look like to focus on building my glutes, lifting my hamstrings, working on, you know, um, refining different parts of my physique that don't come naturally to me. And the more research I did and the more um, courses I took, I was like, well, in order to build the muscle that I'm looking for, I need to eat. And that surplus will come with putting on body fat. So it was the first time in my life that I went through this bulk to now cut process. I'm almost done with it. And um again, I should use air quotes for done because like when you're done, it's not like you're going to be like, "Oh my god, my body's perfect yeah, yeah, again." Like, there. here I am yeah. like, yeah. you know, there'll be something else or, you know, going into maintenance mode, but Um, My program will be over um, actually on March 20th, and it's just been so eye-opening and insightful and fascinating to watch because I was dreading this, um, you know, wake- weight gain process of like putting on like 15 to 20 pounds and then like having it come off and i had some moments where i was like i want to quit but they were very few and far between and once i kind of got over um the hump and unpacked like why do i why do i want to quit like why is this uncomfortable for me um i really let it go and now i'm like oh my god i'm so glad that i stuck with it because it is fascinating to see like literally your efforts unfold, like having a hip thrust PR, um, squatting more than I ever thought I could, looking in the mirror and stepping on a scale. And that number like never really changed so that um, the scale wasn't what I was going off of, but mostly like inches and pictures. And like, I really I can't believe my eyes. It's fascinating, and you know it's going to work because it's just science and it's how you know we're biologically programmed. But then to see it happen, um, it's really cool, and it helps you prioritize other things than just aesthetics, strength, confidence, finding self worth in other areas of your life. Your life, um, and I think. Women um, struggle with that, um, so it's it's nice to have a focus outside of like the last five pounds or like finally having a six pack because um, it doesn't really have that much value, you know.
1: The the moments that you had that were challenging, even the few and far between ones, what? Were those? They were so and, and, so superficial. And, and how did you get over them? Because this is where I think differentiates you from someone who's newer to this that doesn't have a gym age of ten years, right? Maybe this is the first time they've ever gone through something like this for real. Those like little, small moments of like of mm-hmm. challenge for you that you work through because you're already like driven and you already feel strong and you know that they're gonna they you know they're gonna be bumps. Like you've kind of red teamed your program a little bit. Those, I think, derail people off off the ride Mm -hmm. entirely. Like, that's it for them. So, like, once one of those little things comes up, then it spirals out of control. So I think, like, highlighting those for people, especially who are newer or kind of going through this for the first time, like, what were some of those moments of self-doubt for you? Because I think, like... The vulnerability from you then allows them to like say, oh, like, you know, this even happens to the pros.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it was it was it was three threefold. So first was when you are a woman and you put on weight gain, um, our natural thought is what are people going to think of me? And I think that's pretty common. Um, and that's what I thought if I were to run into someone who I hadn't seen in a while or (laughs) our, our, our clients would like watch this happen and think, is she letting herself go? Does she not care? Is she lazy? It was like all of these questions. And, um, I really had to dig deep. Like, why do I care so much what other people think about me? And that led back to, you know, perfectionism and words of information and validation, a lack of self-love and like my own self-worth. So I really had to kind of like dig deep and understand that if someone thought, wow, she's really, you know, let it go, that... I would be okay with that. And that's not my narrative and that's not on me to own. And I kind of had to release that and let it go. Um, I was worried that my husband wouldn't be attracted to me. And that's this whole time he was like, I mean, Kate, like I don't really think you look that different. And I was like, (laughs) I don't believe you. And he was like, I, I, there's only so many ways I can say this. Like the poor guy was like, you're lying. He's like, I'm really not, but okay. So I had to, I had to let that go again. It was my own insecurity my own um, defensiveness. And then also like going into your closet, the third thing, and like having nothing to wear and having your clothes not fit, like that's a struggle. So I was like, you know what? You're going through this process intentionally. You are going to gain weight. Here's the end goal. You're going to shed it. You're going to have this different body and um, go buy some clothes. Go buy some clothes you feel comfortable. So I went to Zara, got like five outfits, and then um, opened my closet and had clothes to wear. So it was kind of like I went through... I wrote it down, like what are the hangups and what is like the, not the band-aid, but like the actual like method to heal. Um, and now actually I look in the mirror, I'm so proud of my body. There are jeans that I've had to toss because I'm like they, I put on muscle. So I have inches that weren't necessarily there um, and it's time to let these genes go. And that's like a hard thing to do. Like a lot of, um, a lot of women and myself in the past behavior was like, you know, fold these jeans up, put them in the back of the closet and like, maybe one day I'm going to wear these again. And you always have it in the back of the mind, back of the closet, back of the mind. And it's like, why am I holding on to this? Like this, they're not even in style anymore. They're like, I don't even really love them anymore. Like, what does this number on a tag even mean for me? Um, so I like ceremoniously, and it like felt so good, like took these jeans that I bought after I had Luke to wear because they were like big and now they're too small. So that's kind of like, uh, can I swear in here? I'm sorry, that's kind of a mind fuck. (laughs) So like have a pair of pants that you bought, you know, four weeks postpartum and they don't fit right now after all of this work that I've been doing. And I really had to be like, yeah, they don't fit because my body is totally different. And I don't need these jeans anymore. And if I do want a different pair, I can go and buy another pair. And that—that that is my privilege to be able to be in a position to just go buy a pair of pants when I want. But, um, you know, even if that weren't the case, then it's still like that I'm going to save up to buy a different pair because I've earned that. Um, and that is frame, to not be tied to something, whether it's in your mind or on your body or in your closet, to not have the handcuff of needing a certain Way or size um, because in the end like it doesn't matter and it is a hang up that we hold on to like the 1200, 1200 calorie diet like what is that number that's an arbitrary number that maybe served one person that everyone else took for gospel, or it's like a nice, neat number that's easy to package and sell. Um, A lot of women have like this goal weight of like 125, and it's uh, like, uh, why? Like, even myself, I'm like, why? I I don't even know if I've ever weighed that. I never like knew, but I was like hanging on to it, and it's just kind of like – why?
1: <laughs> I think it's, it is, it's so interesting to talk through because we were talking about this before we started recording, but like Brett and I have both had female clients and I think the scale can be so, like can misinform so many decisions you make. But I think it's it's funny because those a lot of those problems and a lot of that perspective is so like self-induced. Like nobody is walking back behind you and looking at the tag on your jeans mm-hmm. and being like, oh, wow. <laughs> like you're just, I'm just, I'm looking at you. So it's not that necessarily I'm, like, judging your appearance, but, like, I'm looking at you for how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't care whether you're 125 or 130 or 180 or 210. It's like, well, what do you want to look like? And, like, how does that make you feel? And what does that weight or look or energy or strength, like, allow you to go do? I don't care what size your jeans are.
2: And women, um, I don't think we – I don't think we know what we want because we have decades of programming of being told You know, this is your whiteness or this is your thinness and this is how it should be. And there are industries that, you know, make billions of dollars every year off of telling us what to do and how to feel and how to look. And if you don't have this way or you don't feel this way or you don't look this way, here's what you can take or swallow or put on you and you're going to feel this way. I mean, like the diet industry doesn't work, like the cosmetic industry very rarely works. Like they, these companies just make a lot of money off of, you know, the feeling of less than um but also hope, right? Like we buy products to feel like, okay, if I buy this, if I wear this, if I put this on, if I lose five pounds, I'm going to find what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and I, I've felt fallen victim to that so many times. And I've also had a lot of like ethical hangups of like, I love the advertising industry and I love working in marketing. And I'm contri am I contributing to this and you know how do I feel about that? But um you know as a um, culture and society now i think we're more aware than we ever have been um and i i definitely have a um, tug of war within myself about like what is a brand's responsibility um are they responsible for people's feelings are they responsible for you know the message they put out you know there there are two sides to that coin Um, um and i feel strongly about that but it's up to us to know you know, what are our values as people and what are we willing to accept and what are we willing to stand behind? Um, And it takes so much thought work that now I think people are like starting to buy into of like self-care and therapy um, and, you know, knowing yourself and understanding who you are. But um, fitness is holistic. And so as trainers, we can't be like, do this protocol, lift this weight, work out three times a week, go run 25 miles without being like, how do you feel about yourself? And when you look in the mirror, what 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 do you take away? Um, and what are you looking at when you look at the mirror? Like, are you looking at your face? Are you looking at your body? Are you looking at cellulite that you disdain and you hate? Like, what, what do you look at? And how do you feel about yourself, you know, when you're not in front of a mirror? Um, that is something that I really challenge myself and, you know, us as trainers and um, Instagram culture to dig deeper on because it's really really important
0: how do you navigate when i mean obviously your instagram and your blog you get a bunch of people dming you commenting responding you get more questions answered than i've seen anybody when you scroll on your story (laughs) how do you navigate the question and answer
2: um well i set up my content strategy to address uh, the the questions that i get all the time okay. so if someone were to say um you know how do i lose weight or how do i figure out my caloric deficit or you know i just want to tone up like all of the faqs um i just send links and say circle back with specific questions um you know i do yeah. I, I just do something about i well course. i i just started yeah. i just started making money off of content creation. So this is pretty much something I do for free. So I can't, um, you know, dedicate that much time to it unfortunately um, so I try to say like you know do your due diligence and if you have a specific question please circle back um, I I don't feel comfortable addressing um, specifics so if a client has a question or a follower has a question um, and DM is not an appropriate place to like dive in and get into it and there's um, something outside of my expertise then I refer out or I say this is I don't really have an answer for you or I I can't possibly make a recommendation with such little information, and unfortunately, I don't do one-on-ones. So, um, I'll refer out or I'll um, provide some like guidance into who to ask, questions to ask, what to look for in a trainer. Um, If I feel really strongly about something um, and, you know, I want to take the time to do it, um, then that's something that I've just started to explore. Like, where are those boundaries? Um, I had a follower who um, signed on for a digital package with a trainer who lived in a different state than she did. And she was like, I don't feel comfortable with this. Like, would you be willing to, like, look at our email exchange? So she forwarded me the email. I was appalled by the lack of customer service this trainer was providing. And I was like, you know, unfortunately, I think, you know, you committed to like a bad deal here. This trainer is not invested in you. It's really clear that they have one way or the highway. They're not hearing you. Um, she's not open to like modifications for your injury, which I just was like my mind was blown. Um, so I was like, next time, like, let's get through this package. If you trust her, you trust her. If you don't, you either walk away and eat the cost or, you know, go all in. Um, but you know i felt i felt for her um so i like took that time to like kind of walk her through something um and you know that was something that i felt really good about doing but if it has to be safe and it has to make sense. And if there's a question of like, you know, I'm pregnant, what should I do? Like, I'm not the person to ask, um, but it these like digital relationships, the line is really blurred because we do feel so connected to people. Um, and my heart does go out to so many um, that I wanna be as helpful as possible. Um, but luckily a lot of people have the same questions and a lot of our struggles and problems are the same. Um, so I just, Create content based off of the engagement that I get in my DMs, and if something's really good or thought provoking, I'll say, "Hey, here's the 101. Let's table that. I'm going to write a post for that in March, and then circle back if there's anything like left outstanding." And nine times out of ten, it's that's exactly what I was looking for. And then you know, there's 20 other people that are like, "I was wondering this very same thing." Yeah. So um, I've I'm creating a space, and I'm so fortunate to say that people are um, comfortable and like asking questions and like putting themselves out there. And they're really thoughtful. They're really intelligent. Um, the caliber of the conversation is really good and it helps our collective community, which is awesome.
0: Totally. I think one of the things you touched on there um, was pregnancy. Obviously Luke just had a second birthday, which is the greatest thing of all time. I wish I was invited. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I the ball pit. Yeah, Living his best ball life, life in the, in yeah, the ball in pit. The ball yeah. pit. Um, and One thing we like to know is like when we get people on this show that are doing so many great things is like where do you look to? So when when you talk, let's talk pregnancy first and then post, where did you look to for advice, technique, emotional support when there were days where maybe you didn't feel or look your best? Kind of like, can you walk us through maybe like the education side, the emotional support side, and then like the community side of being pregnant?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I got um, my credential, my education from um, a woman named Dr. Sarah Duval, who is incredibly brilliant. Um, and her course for um, postpartum and perinatal um, exercise specialists is so thorough and in depth. So I felt very confident about um, my experience not only throughout pregnancy but then also like rehab afterwards so i was able to form my own opinions through that education um there are a lot of trainers who are you know very cautious there are a lot of trainers who are um if you sprinted before you were pregnant sprint now and you really have to get secure in yourself in your position um to find what works best for you because not every Person's opinion and protocol will be right. Um, so I took a lot of time to research um, perinatal, you know, influencers or educators and people on Instagram. And for the most part, um, I did find um, some people who I looked to for education to form my own opinion. Um, Amy Kiefer in Wisconsin, Nancy Anderson um, in Texas, although I think she might have moved back to LA. Um, They were women who I don't, Jacqueline Brennan here in Chicago, like all of these um, experts I don't subscribe to any one of their like full policies, but I was able to take and glean um, nuggets and information from their experience as well as their um, education to form my own opinions. Um, And it was really helpful. For the most part, I was pretty disappointed with what I found and what was out there Um, on Instagram, the like, and I'm using air quotes again, like the pregnancy plans, the belly only pregnancies, it was just really disheartening. So I wanted to um, create content and provide this space and community, um, that would give some answers for what I was looking for. Um, like what to, you know, the postpartum essentials is not like your silk pajamas and sleep mask. Like, no, like I need some like answers here of like what I actually need for like my health physically, mentally, emotionally, like the silk pajamas are nice, but like I'm really uncomfortable and, um, my body has a lot of healing to do. Like what, what do I do to address that? Um, so it is uncomfortable because it's kind of like the less, um, you know, curated side of like social media and a lot of our conversations. Um, but the more open I am, the more open other women are, and um, it's been really nice to have berries um, because now more so than ever, there have been, uh, there are pregnant trainers and there are trainers who are moms. But when I was going through pregnancy, there really wasn't. And our community here in Chicago, um, a lot of women kind of came out of the, the woodwork and were sharing their experience. Or if I said like, yeah, I'm like, kind of like crying a lot (laughs) and they would be like oh yeah that's gonna happen and that's why and it's gonna get better now it's gonna get better here um but it really just was like so much solidarity and that felt really good um we were talking earlier like that feeling of I'm alone. I'm the only one experiencing this. Um, It's really dangerous. So I wanted to share like this is what I'm going through. And if you're feeling this way, like don't feel hopeless. Like here are tools or here are resources. Um, You know, here's why therapy might be for you or pelvic floor physical therapy. Um, You know, these are, we have to be our own advocate and you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know to ask questions. You don't know exists so just kind of being open about that to give people a space to you know get this information
1: what do you think is like a and this could be more than one thing common sentiments about being pregnant this could be in or outside of fitness I think just like exercise in general what are things about being pregnant or common knowledge that you've like moved away from like after having been through it after having done your research after having gone through certification and and you know I think really taking some time obviously to be like thoughtful about yeah. what you put out what you're thinking about you're not just kind of ripping it and like just seeing what happens like you by your job and by your platform like it's given you more time to think about it what are some things that like everyone else is kind of on board with that you've sort of like stepped back or moved away from
2: Well, I don't know if it's necessarily everyone's on board with it, but, like, a common um, consensus is your doctor knows everything, and your doctor is going to, like, be able to give you all this advice on, like, a fit pregnancy, and like, yes, our standard of care here um, could be improved, but the situation and the reality is it is what it is. And so it's really up to us to like educate ourselves. Because if I were to go to my doctor and say, can I do berries? And she's never taken a class at berries. What is she going to say? Like she is thinking about, okay, I really need to keep this baby healthy and see this woman to term. Yeah, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say, no, don't go. Um, But A lot of our, like, evidence-based, like, standards are really out of date. Like, the 140 heart rate, don't lift anything over 25 pounds. Like, that is um, out of date, and there is a lot of research know a lot I don't know if if that's fair to say there is a substantial amount of research on um, exercising throughout pregnancy and it is so important to like move now your level of fitness um, while you're pregnant that will be dictated based off of what you have always done Um, and also what what's the end goal for me i wasn't comfortable with sprinting for me i wasn't comfortable with burpees or box jumps or um even a lot of like front loaded lifts because for me i'm like you know my goal is to like have this baby i, I don't really need to be like pr'ing a deadlift right now um i don't need to be sprinting at a 10 on the treadmill um because this is just a season of life for me and i don't really feel like um you know this is something i need to get like fulfillment enjoyment and like that high of like, Oh, I just like moved my body. Um, so I also, um, you know, I was like, I was conservative. So I think like my whole thing for women now, when you are, when they're pregnant is educate yourself and understand where you've been, where you are and where you hope to go. Um, after you have your baby, your body has gone through a very traumatic experience and you you need to heal. You're not just like good to go after six weeks. There is a level of re-entry um, into your fitness life and your doctor is not going to be able to say really like, oh yeah, you're ready for this or you shouldn't be doing that because they don't know and they don't know how you're feeling. So you have to hone in your level of awareness. You have to ask some questions, um, have that mind muscle connection and... You think to yourself, you know, do I, do I feel like this is right? If it's not, it's probably not for you. And that's okay. You're not copying out. You're not going easy on yourself. It's not like you're, you know, cutting a corner or being lazy. Um, it's really just kind of understanding your season and what works for you.
1: That, that, um, like, thought about seasons of life I think is important because, mm-hmm. right, you have, like, pre-natal, you have pre even pre-pregnancy. You have those things where, okay, well, this is what I care about at this time in my life when I was younger, yeah. And now my body's changing when I'm getting older. Now my body's changing because I'm pregnant. Now my mm-hmm. body's changing because I'm not pregnant, and I have a kid, and I'm walking through that. I think one of the cool things that I've watched you do is express a lot more vulnerability as a strength part of your Yeah, we have a, to. A, a, yeah, strong, we have to. Uh, a strong – personality trait of yours I think and I've watched it like develop I think pre because I knew you before you were pregnant Mm -hmm. and then while you were pregnant and now for two years post that and something you've been talking about a lot recently that Brett and I both practice a lot is meditation Mm -hmm. it seems like you've been doing a lot more self-review and just kind of being thoughtful about like oh this is the way I want to spend my time this is who I want to spend it around this is how my emotional needs are different can you walk through like how you kind of started that process and like what that's meant to you, I think especially with some of the challenges I feel like you have expressed you faced after Luke.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I found myself in an unprecedented place of life. Um, Having a kid, like they they say this, nothing can prepare you for it. And it's like, it's so true. So I um, had a very like hard impact going into motherhood and everything that I held so dear time management, control, productivity, efficiency, alone time, that those are all the first things that get ripped away from you. So it was very jarring for me, um, for motherhood. Um, when Luke was six months, my brother passed away and my whole life just kind of turned upside down. I, the fragility of life, um, was front and center. So I had just like a lot of issues going on, and like a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, um, and depression. I never had had any type of mental shift or illness or unwellness. And um, when I finally like woke up one day and I was like, "Oh my God! Like I, I gotta talk to someone. I think I need some help. This isn't this isn't right." Um, that's when I started to be open. To doing a lot of these like new things like if you had asked me a year ago or two years ago about like meditating i'd be like mm, that's not for me journaling hell no that is not for me and um, now i'm kind of like well i need some tools because w- my coping mechanisms are not working um, and why would they now I have something completely new um, and I was very stuck in my ways. And then the second I started to like kind of become like open um, and unfortunately or fortunately, I mean, I really like kind of hit a rock bottom where I was like, OK, now I just I'm willing to try anything to, you know, not feel this sense of anxiety and sadness. Um Meditating has been so incredible. Um, you know, I use morning pa- the at Morning Pages. Um, that has been just so incredible. To be have like an unfiltered look at yourself and like not have judgment and kind of like work through some things, but also just like being mindful and like quiet. Um, therapy, I think, is amazing. So for anyone who's going through a season of life where you have a lot of change, you um, it's just like good to do that thought work to kind of like get to know yourself and like have a level of intentionality and like mindfulness of like what you're going through. Um, So I, I, I love it. Now, like, I have this, like, morning routine, and, like, if I don't have it, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, archaic. I can't even, like, think a story of the day if I don't have, like, my hot lemon water and, like, the kundalini music in the background, and then I like do, like, the 10 minutes of headspace, and then, like, I write, in, you know, my journal for a second. Um, it's really, really... It's just, like, calming, and it feels, like, cozy, and I um, resisted it, but I kind of went through the motions for, like, a long time, like, for, like, months with, like, meditation. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so bad at this. This is so dumb, like, the art of, like, noting and, like, um, you know, the sunlight going through your body. I'm like, what is this? (laughs) And and now I'm like, I feel that sunlight. And it just like, it feels, it just feels, um, really nice. But I like, I was so anti-self care because I think people do it inappropriately. Like if you take that bubble bath, but you are, you know, in debt or you're like Jade rolling your face and you have a very, um, terrible or turbulent relationship with food. Like it's just, nothing's connecting and you're like not getting to the root of your issue. But if you're doing the thought work and exploring and also working out and like meditating and like, you know, getting the massage, like it really comes together very beautifully. Um, and I had to kind of go through that firsthand to have that like level of like empathy and like openness to it. Um, and now there's no turning back. I love it.
0: <laughs> that That's great. I think a couple things that you said there, which are, were good. were. Um, talking about that like initial resistance into changing something because mm-hmm. like we're so rooted in our way, and we find like routines or whatever you want to call them, ways of life in the current season that we're in. Yeah. I like that term that you use, but like shit changes and like things happen, and it could be an injury, it could be a pregnancy, it could be a, a family yeah. member passing away, it could be anything. And I think just having this ability to self-reflect and really just say like, hey this is where I'm at, like yeah. right now. Yeah. This is where I need to get to, it is beautiful. Um, how or in what ways do you think people can do that? And at the same time, how did you get over that like hump of being like, I think this is like some fake fancy dumb shit to now it's like, I actually feel my body through a meditation. I th- that's yeah. like,
1: I, that might be the most important tool more than fitness, more than food, more mm-hmm. than this, is just the ability to be like, what what tools do I need to add at this time to go where I need to go? Because it's not always running. It's not always cutting. It's not always bulking. It's like yeah. we want to tweak all these things without like the space to say, oh, this is the direction I want to head in now. Yeah. Let's bring in more stuff.
2: I think the um, ability to um, like locate a feeling. And I just learned how to do that. Like, I mean, speaking of like, you know, being stuck in your ways, like for 34 years, I was right. For 34 years, I had one way, it was my way or the highway. Like I just learned that like, there's more than one way to do things. And like, sometimes people have opinions that aren't yours and like, they're right
0: sometimes
1: (laughs) you know
2: sometimes like they don't and even if they're not right and you totally disagree like you can still be friends with them like I I was like so I'm like the textbook Scorpio and like I just like learned an emotional intelligence I'm starting to like get educated like through therapy um and it's like it's just really helpful and being able to sit with a feeling not do anything about it locate it in your body it's in my heart it's in my lungs it's in my throat and like letting it pass like i was like the queen of like put, putting shit under the rug um not acknowledging it like positioning myself you know in this like ivory tower looking down like this need for perfectionism um And it just, like, it doesn't serve you and it didn't serve me. And so one of the tools that um, I learned through meditation and through therapy was, like, where, like, what is this emotion? What are you feeling? Um, Where do you feel it in your body? And if you, like, sit with it, um, it passes inevitably. And then you're, like, free of it. If you don't do anything about it, you are never, you're never free. You're handcuffed, you're tied to it, you can't get away from it. Um, And that's, like, a, that's, like, a, for lack of a better word, that's imprisonment and it feels terrible. Um, and it's exhausting because you're going through all this work, right? Like in the gym, in the kitchen, meal prep, counting calories, um, running miles and miles every week. And if you still don't have that lightness or that unhappiness or something holding you back, you're like, why am I never getting to where I want to go? And that's that hamster wheel sensation. And it feels like so shitty. Um, and so like, I think, you know, we're always talking about, you got to love the process and you can't love the process unless you're like identifying and addressing all the parts of it in the kitchen, in the gym, in the mirror, in, you know, wherever you are. Um, It becomes so much more enjoyable and then that one thing that you're like honing in on abs glutes five pounds it's like there's less stress on it and you're able to like enjoy it actually um I was like so consumed for like a really long time about like doing like 10 unassisted pull-ups to the point where I would get like nervous before I would like go in for a training session and I'm like this is so dumb. Like at one point you like (laughs) loved doing this so much. There's no joy. Like, why don't you like relax? Actually, like you're not going to do pull-ups for like the next like two months because this is just like kind of like robbing you of your sense of fulfillment. Um, And I kind of like let it go, revisited. Like now I can do them. And it's like, okay, well, I'm still having that fight in my marriage. I'm still having that problem with my boss. I'm still having this problem with my girlfriend. You know, it's like all like the pull up was nothing and it didn't like help the quality of life. So it's kind of like, all right, you got to like, let this go and like, think about something else. Um, But now I go back to it and I'm like, Oh, this feels great. Or like, Oh my God, like how much did I just hip thrust? Like, are you kidding? Like I just did that. That's awesome. When you're not laser focused on one thing, but rather like addressing like your whole life and getting all the pieces of the puzzle comes together really nicely. And then not one thing is like holding all your happiness. And like that is freedom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm still working on all of this. Like I don't want
2: to be like, I I did it. I cracked the code. Like, And
1: that's the point. You can't. I was going to say, I think something that like people have a really hard time identifying and what I did for a really long time and what came out of that for me too is that there is so much humility that comes out of learning Mm -hmm. and being a good learner that you start to understand that like it's your ego and not ego in the sense that like you're bragging about what you can do or you need to be but it it does like your ego drives you to be that like gold star 10 pull ups for Mm -hmm. yourself. Like, if you can't do that, you just keep hard charging because that's where all these other inputs are coming in instead of coming at it from a point of humility, being like, hey, this is a learning process. Is this the best thing for me at this time? Yeah. And that, I mean, that was like a a really big revelation for me because I always just thought, like, oh, well, you should be able, you should be capable of doing this because other people expect you to be able to do it. People already see you as athletic or smart or whatever Mm -hmm. it is but that's that's your ego getting in the way of your humility to say like this is a learning process this is a learning journey and like not being good at journaling or not being good at meditation like it takes time to saturate mm-hmm. to the point where you actually realize it works yeah otherwise you just are gonna you're looking like oh this doesn't work I'm just gonna remove it yeah put back in more pull-ups right like how many more things like pull-ups can I add in to just like make sure I look strong or I'm going hard or I'm going fast like I'm just gonna beat this out of myself rather than being like, okay, yeah, let me just sit with this for a little while. Yeah, And if it works, great. If it doesn't, like I'm going to insert something else there and you don't lose that like all or nothing mentality.
2: Totally. Oh my God. The all or nothing mentality is so dangerous. So many women feel it. Um, and you know, like how many clients do we have that are like, I'm afraid to take a day off. Um, <laughs> yeah. that fear, um, I think is derived from like a lack of education of why you need recovery, what recovery actually looks like, and why, you know, where the benefit comes from. Um, And, you know, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg situation. It's like, they don't know Um, are we not telling them, are we not saying it in a way where, um, they're able to receive it and understand it and take it with them? Um, I think our Instagram culture is just about the scroll and the double tap and like the long form caption is like, Oh God, I don't have time to read this too long. Didn't read. Like, I hate that. Like if you are subscribing to follow someone or you're um, committing to like receiving content from them, like receive it. If you don't want it then don't take it don't let it grace your screen like um I think choice. like we have like Thanks. we have so much we have so much stimulus that there isn't time to react like we listen to the podcast we read the book but then what do we do next? we read another book we get another podcast we don't sit down and like execute and act like we're so focused on getting advice from everyone that then like we don't give ourselves the time to like put it into practice um and I'm really trying to like, condition people and like I ask a lot of my followers and so like each and every person that like chooses to follow and then stays with me I'm like so grateful for them because I ask a lot of them get off this platform go to my blog read this study understand it know how it can go um, and apply to your life um, and actually know what a deficit is. Know what progressive overload does for you. Know why you need to recover. Then come back, ask me the question. Let's put it into um, practice in your life. And um, I've really done that, like taking the clutter out of my feeds and like my inbox and the books that I read to really let it like sink in um, and not be afraid to like spend the time, like take a step back, do less, um, do more with less what am I trying to yeah, say do, do less better do less better yeah yeah
1: um it's so true yeah that's like that's what marketing likes to take advantage of like mm-hmm. how many yeah. freaking moisturizers do you need it's yeah it's like let's see if one works first like, before like hundreds you, buy 12. You, you need hundreds yeah, yeah. And there's one every month it's like well this is the new version of this and the new version of that like how'd the last version go you're like I don't know I didn't finish it I'm on to the next one
2: yeah and I that's like oh I've goodness. outsourced like everything in my life. I've outsourced everything because I, I don't want to guess and I don't want to like try a thousand things. Like I want, like with skincare, it's like such, that's such a good example um, because it is like um, very physical and you can like see it happen and you can see it get better. Like I didn't know what to do. I was like purchasing like the marketing that was being thrown at me. Like, Oh, I don't want wrinkles. I should do this. Like now I have a plan. I work with one provider. My girlfriend is my esthetician. She tells me all right, this is what I'm seeing. This is the best method. It's not like there's some downtime, there's some recovery, like it's not gonna be glamorous. It's kind of painful, but like that's what we're willing to do. And like fitness is the same way. Like if you wanna lose 10 pounds, um, yeah, you've been dieting for your whole life. You're only eating like 1400 calories. Like you're not ready for fat loss. We need five months where you're just kind of reverse dieting and eating your calories back up. Then we can diet. No one wants to hear that, and I, I, I always. Yeah, how do you deliver they that have information? A next month. Yeah, how do you how do you deliver that information? It has to be in a sensitive, empathetic way that outlines the data, the reality, of the situation, the biological information, and then say like. Do you trust me? Are you willing to stick with me? Like, can you invest a year of your life to getting where you want to be? Because after you get past this year, not only will will your body perform and act the way and look the way you want it to, but you'll have a whole new mindset. Um, The good news is time goes by really fast. So if we start now, we're one step closer. Um, But yeah, that's why I I stepped away from personal training because I was like attracting um, the kind of client who had a wedding in three months or a girl's trip to Miami in two weeks. And it was a very like start, stop, one done. Um, no one wanted to hear what I was saying. And we like had like, it was like, everything was like, felt so hard. So, um, the communicating at least. Um, so the like digital space for me is a little, um, it's better because, um, people can move at their own pace. They can take it or they can leave it. Um, I'm really fortunate. I don't have like a ton of hate on Instagram or in my DMs um, but the the people that do come at me I'm just kind of like I I can't spend my time like converting you um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna let you go good luck um, let me go unfollow me I can block you if you want like if you don't if you're not if you're not unfollowing like why are we still talking about this um, but you know there is someone for everyone and if I have something to say there's at least one person who wants to hear it so um, I just spend my time kind of like finding my tribe in my community as opposed to like trying to change someone's mind but it's it's hard
1: yeah,
0: yeah it's very hard yeah I mean I think we've we've talked through so many good things um and thanks for for opening up and sharing it's yeah. been it's been great Thank uh you. we ask every single person our motto the best day ever uh you could wake up tomorrow anything you want to do anywhere in the world what is Kate's best day ever
2: Oh my God! Wait. So this is why I wanted the questions no, beforehand. Can't get this before. Okay. I would love the audience to know that I was told I would be prepped with questions beforehand, and I knew they were going to do this. No questions. <laughs> we're just going to. Well, we are going to wing it. <laughs> yep. Um, so much anxiety. But um, <laughs> well, we're working on it. We're working gonna, on I'm gonna that. I'm going to meditate like, a a on that later. I feel it in my lungs. Um, <laughs> My best day ever, um, and like this, if you asked me this like two years ago, it would be like in Paris with my husband, shopping, eating, drinking, and now it's really um, spending time with my family, my son, um, my husband, my sister, her husband, their kids, like my family, um, just being together and, um, you know, me having the ability to like find happiness like in the present moment and not always wanting more or wishing something was different, but being able to take what's in front of me and know it, accept it, feel it, and live it. Um, Because I've lived a lot of my life um, with hindsight or I'll be happy when. And in the last couple of years, I've really challenged myself to not act and think and live that way um, and it feels it feels really good especially being a mom um, you really have to find happiness in like the little moments because it's like your kids like a sour patch kid they're sweet they're sour they like switch <laughs> on a dive and like Luke will be so sweet and then it will be like a total terror and it's like being able to like have that like 30 seconds of sweetness and like not let it be tainted by something that changes or something that's um, challenging so that would be my best day ever is just being fully present and um, you know loving every. Everything as perfect or imperfect as it may be.
1: It's awesome. Kate, we want to say thanks for holding space for people to. Like express those things. I love you
2: guys so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah.
0: Where can people find you?
2: Um, yeah. The 4% all spelled out online. Um, that's my website. Um, Instagram at Kate Lemire and then at Barry's yeah. you can find all three of us. Come in yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Kate. Thank Thanks you everybody guys. for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, which I know you will, if you won't, if you didn't, then you can DM Kate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If you enjoyed it, please give us five out of five star rating on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. Thank you so much. Have the best day
2: ever.